This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons for that. He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist Summer Edition. Uh, Look, we'll be back with our usual programming on February the 2nd. But today, we're going to continue where we left off last week. Uh, Something a little bit different. We're looking back and exploring Thomas's origin story, like he's some sort of X-Men character. And this is the second part of an interview that we did recently with, or that Thomas did with some students of his old university, his old alma mater, uh, the University of Queensland. Um, look, they say that university is a time of experimentation and self-discovery. It seems that Thomas experimented with being a massive nerd and discovered that he has a kink for spreadsheets. Uh, <laughs> look, today we'll finish off that interview. We get to hear all about the fascinating places that Thomas's journey has taken him. Again, special thanks to Francisco and the team at University of Queensland Economic Society and the Worldonomics podcast. And remember, we'll be back with our usual schedule comedian versus economist on february the 2nd hope you enjoy the second part of this interview and i'll look forward to talking to you again soon would you mind sharing a bit more about how it was your experience with the sufi community oh that's a big question that's a big question uh, yeah it was it, yeah it's it's amazing it's it's quite it's quite hard to understand from a sort of western cultural perspective like you've it's there's sort of one you're living in Turkish culture, so that's a that has a that's a has a particular flavor. Um, can be like I quite love it. It's very staunch. It can be really it's very strong, um, and so that that sort of comes into the spiritual practices as well. It's a very staunch and disciplined and regimented uh, spiritual practice, but it's also very soft and loving, and it has this. Um, yeah, and a real celebration of beauty. I think it's what I love. Why I'm so more attracted to Sufism than, say, some of the Buddhism. Like it's this real celebration of 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 life and the the blossoming color of life. Um, yeah, which, and so I really love that, and I really love those those two in combination. Like a, a strong regimented discipline combined with a love of beauty um, as a spiritual practice. I really loved. Oh, that's fantastic. It's super interesting. Um, um, and- I'm actually, do you mind if I ask Francisco? Mm. Um, I'm actually interested in the cabaret troupe. How did you, <laughs> how did you get into that? Um, I, I, was, I was running a bunch of uh, poetry and spoken word nights in Sydney on the, on the side. So I've always, I've always like the, if I didn't do economics, I would have done literature and poetry at university. That would have been my thing. But I kind of always knew that like it's it's as a, it's a career dead end probably. Like I don't, you know, like I want to feel like I, I needed to set myself up in the world. 
yeah, and so I was running sort of spoken word and, and these open mic nights and, and developing my own sort of material. And then, yeah, just uh, fell, in, fell in with this crew who had, the, had a couple of gigs lined up right at these sort of big music festivals. Um, and, yeah, and so I sort of, they were, they were doing a, a auditions and I said, oh, I've got these, these couple of these poems, which are kind of like these rousing uh, inflammatory speeches um, based on some of the Sufi stuff I was reading at the time. Um, yeah. And they, and they kind of dug it. And, um, so I became sort of like the poet MC of this, um, of this troupe for a while. That's so cool. <laughs> That's such a random thing to like add to your career. I love that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I believe you were ghostwriting while you were traveling with part of the work you were doing. Like, mm. how does that work? How was it working? away from from australia how did i help you mm-hmm. yeah so when i was in in istanbul i sort of set myself up there and yes i stayed three years so i needed to sort of find a way to support myself and i started teaching english um to business people because i had a business background um which was which was really which was super interesting as well so i'd go around to like the the ceo of marvi jeans who produces jeans for all the big jeans labels out of turkey and i'd sit down and just chat with him in english and that, that was my gig. So I would, but I started to learn about him and his lifestyle and, and his background. So it was, it was super fascinating, but it was also a lot of hard work and um, required sort of busing all over Istanbul, which is a huge city. And, but it was about the time the internet was kicking off. Um, well, no, I mean, not, not, yeah, like the online work was becoming a thing. Um, and so I got him onto a, a, a clearinghouse called Upwork. I don't know if you heard that one, upwork.com. Um, but basically people go on their post post jobs that they need doing, and then you can apply and say, Hey, I've got these skills. I can, I can do that job. And then I, I noticed that there was a lot of jobs there for, uh, writers with a, with a finance background with well, who could, who could sort of speak like they knew the business world and that, that that's actually a really valuable skill. And it's quite hard to, to teach that it's, I mean, actually when I left the RBA, I, I did, I interviewed at the AFR, they were doing a call out for jobs. And I got offered a job at the AFR and the, their, their philosophy I was talking to the editor was that it's much easier to train someone with an economics background, how to write than it is to train a writer, how to think like an economist. And so that, that's, so that's really interesting. And so I've, I found that that's, that's been true as well. Like with, with the ghost writing and the writing I've done online is that just having that ability to talk in that lexicon to to talk like a business person like to, that you've, you're confident about how a business works how the economy works how the trends that are affecting a business work um, creates a lot of opportunity there's a lot of opportunity for writers who can hold that voice um, yeah and so that's what I found and then so I got into that kind of writing and then got into ghost writing in particular because ghost writing um, I'm sure as you know you, you're right you're, you're pretending that you're that person they, they put their name at the end of it. So it has that sort of technical side, but then it also has the color because you've got to present, you're creating, you're, you're doing relationship building. So it's sort of, it's content marketing. So you, it goes out on email lists or on the web or becomes searchable content that then, then creates a relationship between a potential customer and the brand identity. And so you need to, you need to be able to give that brand identity some flavor and give people a, a way to connect with it. Um, yeah, and, and that's that's a creative exercise, and so I really I enjoy that side of it. Mm. So yeah, so I pick I picked that up when I when I was over there because it was a great way to to work online and, and travel and 
yeah, I've been doing it ever since. So yeah, it's 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 been it's been a sweet little gig. That's really nice, and like it's a lot of marketing too, right? You have to think you mm. it's a, you're doing a lot of marketing with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've 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 picked up a lot about a lot of a lot of yeah awareness of how how sales funnels and all of that work just by being in that space and and seeing seeing the kind of stuff that the clients are asking for. Yeah, so that that's been really interesting. Well, I think your travels at a certain point got to an end and you came back to Australia, right? Mm. Uh, the first, well, your first project was uh, Renew Fest, your first project, and when you arrived back to Australia. No, no, no. I one of maybe one of the first. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember exactly where that fits in. I've been involved for about four or five years. So they, it's a, it's a um, yeah, sustainability focus festival. Um, sort of, sort of somewhere between a, a sustainability expo and a TED Talks festival. So we have a lot of uh, panels and and discussion topics, and we have, but in in a sort of festival context. So big tents and lots of stuff going on and. Yes, it's a really, it's a really awesome festival. Um, but they they had identified the economics as one of the the key streams that they wanted to focus on. So it's energy, biodiversity, uh, humanity, renewal, economics, um, food production, and so they, seeing that these are the core things that we need we need to advance on. Um, yeah, and then so I sort of put my hand up and said, oh, I can I can help pull together an economics program. I've got some awareness of of the characters in the space and 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 that. So. Yeah, so I sort of came on board as a sort of the economics program coordinator one year, and then from there, the year after that became the I guess you call program coordinator. So sort of looking at all those streams, and then we we moved to sort of make it more interdisciplinary. So we had initially it was like the economics program, and it was just economics, but it was like oh, let let's get the economists in with the farmers and get them in with the people in mental health front line and get them all talking because it's all kind of the same issues that we're look, looking at. Like it's, it's such a multifaceted crisis that we're in right now. Um, but it's all pushing at the same fronts and, you know, it, 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 it's showing the systems are showing up in, in, in different, different fields, but at all, you can, you can find these common causes in it all. Um, yeah. So we sort of moved to a, a more interdisciplinary focus, which is, which has been really juicy. So we also saw that you worked um, at the Centre for Conservation Geography for a little mm. bit. Um, so what kind of research um, does the Centre for Conservation Geography do and kind of how does an economist contribute to that? Uh, yeah, so the Centre for Conservation Geography is a great little NGO um, and it, it aims to provide research to support um, progressive conservation uh, efforts in, around marine areas and marine life, particularly sort of uh, marine protected areas and that sort of thing, helping create those. Um, yeah, and then I was brought in to sort of build some econo economic arguments. So we were like a question like um, if you created a protected, a no fish zone in a particular area, what impact does that have? on you know the 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 fish fish the fishing industry in that area but also then the tourism industry um those kind of things so trying to sort of put a number on that we tried to estimate the the value of the scuba dive industry in australia there was no figures on that but we knew that that there's a lot of people doing scuba diving we know that it's, there's a lot of value in it um but it's not being captured in 
in the sort of the trying to measure the economic benefits of a marine marine protected area. Um, so we're trying to add some some nuance to that. Yeah. So so as an economist, you're trying to just put some numbers on these stories for like this is what we think this is worth. Um, this is a, why we think it should be protected. Um, yeah, that's that sort of thing. So kind of kind of telling that story, finding a way to build build that argument, and it's re- that was really creative work actually because because the data is just not there. So so like with that, um, trying to estimate the value of the of the scuba dive industry, there's no real data there. So it's like so how, okay, how can we build this up? Like what can we take scuba sales data? Can we try and find some data from that and then try scale it up? Like okay, we we know this one scuba shop in in Sydney sells this much. Is there some reasonable assumptions that we could make that we could scale that up to be in, to to something like a national number or what would be a reasonable range for like if we did scale that up? Like how much certainty do we have about that? What's a reasonable range we could put on that? Um, so it was, yeah, this is quite creative thinking. <laughs> 
if you want to explore these numbers more, understand more, more where they're coming from. Um, yeah, so that was, that was sort of the, 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 the sort of the drive behind that. But I've, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in a lucky situation now where that sort of settled down. I've got, I've got the regular clients. Um, they, I don't, yeah, if I, if I need more work, I kind of, kind of just hit them up and they've got people who know who need work like that. So that, yeah, my client the other day said to me, says, look, I've got as much work as you want. So just, just let me know. So yeah, that's, sure. that's, that's pretty sweet. We're finally back to comedian versus economist now. <laughs> you already you already said that before before you get in contact with with Alec and Bryce, uh, you Adam and you had a, did a few episodes, right? How how did it work, and like how was the decision of maybe teaming up with them to to launch comedian versus economist? Uh, yeah, it was a very easy sell. So we, we did, we did six episodes as a pilot and we've both got young kids. Um, and so we're sort of squeezing it around all of that. And the content's reasonably easy because it's, it's sort of work that I'm, it's stuff that I'm looking at already. It's reports that I'm writing already. So I'm mostly just leveraging work that I'm doing and into, into I'm, I'm pulling out interesting topics out of that. And Adam's asking some questions. So the content creation side's relatively easy. Um, but the production side was hard. We were finding, so, um, getting it edited properly, getting it out there. Um, so we, we did those six episodes. We found the editing and production was taking a bit more time than we anticipated was, it was a bit of a story. Um, and then we, you know, we're sitting on a podcast that had a listenership of maybe 50, a hundred people, which was all our friends. And we're like, okay, so what's the next step here? How do we build this? And so it's like, Oh, I guess we could, you know, have a marketing campaign, try and get ourselves out there, like all this. And we're both like, are we, are we really that into it? Like, I don't know if that, that sounds like quite a lot of work. Um, and so with that, like, so okay, we've done six, let's just sit on it for a bit. We'll think about it. And it was kind of right about that time. Alec and Bryce put out a call saying like, if, Hey, we, we, we're looking for new content. You've got any ideas, hit us up. And so we sent that to them. And they listened to it and they loved it. And they're like, oh, this is great. Um, yeah, really want to get behind it if you guys want to share with it. And said, look, what we can do, you guys do the content and we'll do all the production and the marketing. And we're like, ah, oh, sold. Like, that's great. That's all the stuff that we don't want to do. Um, and so we've got a, yeah, there's a, uh, the head of production there, Sasha, is amazing. So we just send her the raw files. We'll often just stop in the middle and go, oh, sorry, Sasha, we muffed that up. And we, we just go back and start again. And so we don't, we don't even, we don't even touch it. So we just record it, send it to Sasha. She does an amazing job, whips it into shape and the equity mates guys pump it out. So from our perspective, as, as puppers with, you know, busy lives already, it's, it's super awesome. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think we would be able to do it without equity mates for sure. Oh, that's great. It sounds like it's a platform that put you already somewhere very interesting. I remember the, some time ago, either Alec or Bryce, they had to record with like a Duna on top of them. <laughs> but I don't think you've been through this process, right? I think you started already with a <laughs> microphone. Can I say that? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm I'm using a, I'm using a Yeti Blue, which is I think it's two hundred dollars. Um, my brother uses a Rode. Um, yeah, but this this Yeti Blue, I can't, I love it. It's great. It's super portable. It's is sound. It sounds good. Um, yeah, but yeah, like, and I know sometimes I'm, 
I'm not, a, I'm never under a doona, but I was last night I was out on the street because it was too noisy in the house. There was some the things going on. So yeah, no, it's still, it's still amateur hour. I know we sound professional, but yeah, we're still amateurs. Oh, you definitely sound professional. <laughs> I would recommend the microphone you have. And how is it, how is it working with your, your brother? Cause like you guys were already planning to work together. Have you always been close or it was something that popped up later in life. Yeah, it's it's actually it's actually the best thing about it because because we've both got young kids now under under five, um, and then we just don't we we just weren't talking to each other. He's he's in Adelaide. I'm in I'm in Mullumbimby, sort of near Byron Bay, and so you know we, we'd try to catch up and you know we'd try to go over and see each other sort of kind of semi-regularly, but you just don't really spend that much time together because you're just consumed by life. And so it's been really great to, to have this project to sort of have this excuse to catch up once a week. Cause he's a really funny guy. Like I love talking with him and he, yeah, he, he, he he's always, he's always cracked me up, you know, and, and not many people do. So I really love yeah having that chat with him and yeah. And it's great to sort of see where his career has sort of gone in that sense. Like he, his, his story is really interesting. So he dropped out of year 11 in high school and got a job at the Apple store, like in 1996, it would have been or something. So before Apple was really a thing, set himself up as an Apple expert, which then went into this whole story. And now he's got this whole career around sort of identity management and in the IT space. So yeah, he's done really well, but yeah. And he, and he had a stand up comedy gig. So it was kind of funny. Like we both, I was an economist who did poetry on the side and he was an IT guy who did comedy on the side. And so, yeah, comedian versus economist kind of pulls all four of those things together somehow and, and makes the thing, but yeah, yeah. So we've always, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's nice. I don't think we, we never would have planned it, but yeah, we're really happy that we're, we're in it now. Uh, and uh, we definitely can see the chemistry listening to, <laughs> to the podcast. It's great. Um, I think now wrapping up a little bit with, uh, with our questions, uh, yeah, Sorry. so we're, <laughs> that's okay. Um, yeah, so we're just getting to the end of our questions. So I think each of us kind of have specific questions, probably more tailored to people in uni, um, kind of just like your advice. Um, so what is something that you kind of wish you knew before entering into the workforce? Uh, I, I, I wish that I would, I had some idea of what nine to five work was like. Like I, I, I was totally blindsided by that when I started work that, you know, like when I was at uni, university, like I, I was a night owl. So I, like, you know, I think people, a lot of people would relate to this, but they were, I'd study late. I would do most of my study between 10 and two in the morning. Um, and then the mornings were always pretty slow and, um, and then, and cramming as well. That's the other thing. Like, so I, I'd have a busy social life leading up through most of the semester and then just go really, really hard. Um, for, you know, I would, I would not drink coffee all semester just so that when exams hit, I could just hit the coffee and it would have maximum impact and I'd just go, go super hard. Um, that, that approach doesn't work in the workforce. Like it's, it, you know, I've, I found it re- like just being on deck at nine o'clock in the morning was just such a struggle for me early on. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even get a hand. And I, I like, I was falling asleep in meetings. Like it was just kind of embarrassing. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think, 
I wish, I kind of wish I had some like bit more experience of that before I hit the RBA and before I hit that first job straight out that I had done something through that summer, just like get in the, in the groove of having a nine to five steady job, getting up regular hours. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, the, that gear shift was, was really, was a real struggle for me. It really so- does. Oh, sorry, Marty. <laughs> Oh, no, I was just going to say, I find that so funny because I, I think that's backwards to what I do as someone who's a massive coffee drinker and I come to exam time and the coffee sort of doesn't have, a, have its effectiveness and I need to move on to other things like energy drinks. Uh-huh. I, think, I know you said it wasn't advice, but I'm going to take it as advice. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of tips do you have for students who are in economics now, like would you frame it around, say, econometrics or game theory, as you mentioned earlier, or is there like a part, like a part of economics that you think might be more valuable than others, or just general interest? Um, yeah, I, can't, if, I mean, I think it's, I think it's good to follow your passions. I think I probably did more economic, economic, econometrics than I needed to, and I probably should have because I just wasn't really that suited to statistics. I, don't, I didn't, and, and, and the modeling that's, I didn't, I didn't really love that. I love, I, I got into game theory and, and thinking about, about that, that, that really sparked, you know, my, that, that fitted me. Um, and yeah, so, so I did probably more than I, sh- I needed to. And even then when I, when I got out into the world, a lot of it, uh, the professors are going to hate me, hate me saying this, but a lot of it's computer based now. So you, you can kind of, any monkey can drive it really. Um, at a certain level, like if you, if you want to sort of get into, you know, develop your own models and do academic work and you really need to understand it, but in an applied sense, I think you can, you can, you don't need all that much. So I, like, I think, I think you definitely need it and you, you definitely need to be numerate. I think that's really what, um, you know, gives you an advantage as an economist and allows you to step into different worlds is that you, that you can talk about growth rates and understand, how, what that means and, and be able to compare growth rates and think about percentage changes and that sort of things. And it's, that's not super complex, but, it, but it's like, if you can get, if you can get quick with that, you get snappy with that and kind of quickly see how that works, then that really sets you up well, I think. Um, so I think, yeah, so definitely, you d- yeah, definitely pay attention to that side. Uh, definitely get how statistics work. Like uh, if there's one book I'd recommend, it's Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. You know that one. So Daniel Kahneman won the Nobel Prize a while back, but Thinking Fast and Slow is an amazing book, and it's just about how bad humans are about thinking about probability and statistics. Um, and yeah, so that that's just a great life practice to be able to think about probability and understand, you know, the likelihood of winning the lottery or what one in a one in a hundred million actually means. Um, yeah, so so do that. But then I think. Yeah, then I think follow your interests and there's a lot of ways that that can go. And I think f- like fundamentally as an economist, you're a storyteller, like you're telling stories and all of your characters are, are data and pieces of the economy. And so like the work that I do, ghostwriting or even with comedian versus economist, it's, it's all storytelling. And the, your, ability, your, your strength as an economist is your ability to sort of like pull all these different moving pieces of the puzzle into a coherent narrative. And it's that narrative that sells. And so even at the bank, even though like obviously with the ghost writing and the content marketing stuff I do, it's all about the narrative. But even at the RBA, it's very much a narrative. It's like, you know, full-time jobs are down this month. This means this, which is going to mean that. 
and and it's that coherent sort of narrative that moves through that that allows you to um, is 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 your strength is is what you're selling to the market, and so I think like yeah, so following that interest, getting learning how the the stories work, um, being able to tell those stories, get get versed in, in telling those stories, I think would yeah, we'll set we'll set you right. That that is great, yeah. So the for the book, if people paying attention, they're thinking fast and slow. Yeah, definitely a big recommendation. <laughs> that's excellent. I think that's it, uh, Thomas. Thank you so much for making time and, and being here for our interview. It was great. It's a, such a prolific career you have, and so many things you've done in life. We were really excited to have you here. Thank you so much. No, thanks. For, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been great to connect. Like I, used, I was saying just before, like I organized a bunch of barbecues for the Economic Society back in the 90s. So it's great to see it's uh, kicking on and going from strength to strength. So yeah, well done, guys. There you go, guys. That wraps up Thomas's interview with the University of Queensland Economic Society. Hope you found it interesting. I certainly did, particularly the bit where he said he really enjoyed us spending time together. Each, everyone has their own opinion, I suppose. Um, <laughs> don't forget, we'll be back with our regular Comedian versus Economist podcast on February the 2nd. We do have some more special episodes coming up for you over the summer. Thomas has hosted some panel discussions from a, a festival that he was recently involved in. Um, some really interesting stuff coming up there. So make sure you stay tuned throughout the summer for more of those. Uh, and as I say, we'll be back in, uh, in, on February the 2nd for more Comedian versus Economist. Talk to you then. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.